Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio Greenwich. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his home. Sweet song, wake up, wake up, you sleepy head, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, love and be happy, what if I be blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers. But still I listen for us and us I'm just a kid again Doing what I did again Singing a song When the red, red robin comes Bob, bob, bobbing along away from three valuable points which were snatched away from us at least we could all go home basking in the glow of Uwe Rosler's appetite for sportsmanship welcome to Charlton Live Good evening and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley are oh, the grand old man of Charlton Live. How you doing? How you doing? Stop trying to sliff that one, Tell. You're the oldest one. <laughs> hey, you right, Tell? I could have sworn you were talking to Tom. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, calm down after yesterday? I don't think I was uncalm. Um... But uh, depressed, possibly. Depressed, possibly. Yeah, possibly. That's a, a fair way to feel after yesterday's uh, late equaliser for Fleetwood Town. Also here to, to wallow in that misery, Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I've calmed down. You have calmed down, Just yeah. Just about. Just yeah. about. Uh, as soon as I was noticed, say, say the name Uwe Rosler, I'm sure that'll get you going again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to talk about yesterday's uh, late, late disappointment one or draw here at the Valley with Fleetwood Town. We're going to hear exclusively from Carl Robinson we're also going to hear from Andrew Crofts uh, later on in the show we're going to ask you guys after Fleetwood Town bought just 140 fans to yesterday's game uh, what's the lowest away attendance you've been in 
because I'm sure that there must have been some ones where, where there's just been hardly any Charlton fans there. I'm sure, I'm sure, Terry, you've been to a few uh, in your day. So we'll ask you about that. We also want to know what you made of the game. Uh, you haven't, we're our first Sunday show, really, since the end of the transfer window. If you want to let us know what you made of uh, our business during, during the January transfer window, you can let us know about that as well. Anything you want to talk about, email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive. Um, probably get time to look ahead to next weekend's game with uh, AFC Wimbledon as well. Um, but yeah, uh, tell just uh, you know, it, not a classic from us yesterday. But as, as we're getting into that ten minutes of of added time, it, it, I felt like hopefully we're just going to try and hold on. But it, it wasn't to be yesterday a late equaliser for, for yeah. Fleetwood. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think I'm slightly of a different opinion in, in that uh, I, um, I I sort of felt it was coming. Do you know? What I mean, oh yeah, it, felt, it, it definitely felt like it was coming. But I was still hoping we'd hold on. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I think, and as soon as that ten minute ball went up. I think most of us feared the worst, didn't we, really? I mean, um, we were punished for the fact that uh, while we were on top, and we were on top for a decent portion of that game, I thought um, they didn't look like they were troubling us much, in, in honesty. I, don't, I, I mean, there was that uh, a couple of streaky efforts, and, and Cole got behind Bauer, I think, once in the first half. There's, you could argue they could have had a penalty, just uh, just as the applause... Yeah, see, I didn't see this. We'll, we'll talk about that. When um, so on, that that was arguably that you know their best or their their only real um, impact in our uh, in and around our penalty box. Other than that, I thought we were in control without really ourselves making too much um, inroads. But that's because for the most part we were uh, we're trying to get past uh, ten men to get into the penalty box because they, uh, they they packed it out. I mean they they played they started off with five at the back. Uh, that didn't change much even when they went one nil down. So it was a tough afternoon, and I just think there were times when uh, Ricky Holmes was annoying me a little bit, and, and that's unusual because I like him a lot. Um, mm. But he was uh, he wasn't wide enough, especially for most of that first half. I mean, yeah, he popped up for the goal, which was a great uh, a great move and, and, and some good work by Isri Conza to get it there. But um, for me, he was he spent far too much time too close to Tony Watt in the middle, mm. and not enough time. And I thought Chickson um, was uh, was fighting a lone battle down that left hand side for the most part. Uh, I didn't realise he was ill until afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I think when you've got that sort of when you're up against that sort of side that that just packs the packs out the, the back and the midfield, you've got to use your width. And we didn't have enough, I didn't think. Yeah. Which is surprising, bearing in mind the squad to the side we put out. Excellent stuff. So we want to know what you guys made of the game as well. Email studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at Charlton Live or you can head over to the Charlton Live forum where there's a thread on there as well. Let's listen back to those highlights of uh, of yesterday's game brought to you by Terry Smith and Greg Stubby on CFC. Uh, player HD. Number forward finds Cole. Cole gets in behind Bauer. Devante Cole goes for goal. Saved by Declan Rudd. It's a good save from Charlton's goalkeeper. Devante Cole getting in behind and Rudd that's a save of his legs. Solly inside to Aribo. Aribo turns on his left foot, turns Schwabel, gets past Schwabel. Joe Aribo still with the ball. He goes for goal and he's <laughs> wayward in the end. But it's decent it play it, originally yeah. from Absolutely Aribo. was. Uh, and I think that's what, what it might take. Schwabel looks like a unit. That he Finds Chickson. Chickson's ball inside to Aribo's hospital pass. And Fleetwood can pick it up with Burns. Chips it forward towards Dempsey. Gets a little flick on oh. him. Might find Cole. It does. Cole, narrow angle. Will go for goal. And Rudd saves again. Wasn't the greatest of contacts in the end from Cole, but that's twice he's going behind Charlton's defence. McCoughlin coming short if he wants to use him, but Dempsey instead will chip it towards the far post. There's a header, free header in the end, and Rudd has to oh. tip it over. I was trying to see who got the free header. I think it's Bolger. As we almost approach the 29th minute, 
Uh, in a minute, you'll hear applause. We'll take a, a minute ourselves to applause on CFC player HD in, in remembrance of 29-year-old Charlton fan Liam Meadows, who unexpectedly passed away in his sleep um, on the 11th of January 2017, leaving his wife Sarah, baby boy Louis, and family absolutely shocked and devastated. All those who know Liam and his family absolutely adored him. It's not a shame to lose him, but we will remember him in about three seconds' time. Bauer, Bauer, good ball, ball. to force Kasky, who can bring it forward into Fleetwood's half. Looks for the ball, ball. forward towards Watts. Good tackle from Bolger, but Watts still picks it up. Goes ball. to goal. Good the save from Carnes. I think it was going wide, but Probably. goalkeeper wasn't to know. It's the first chance, real chance. And it's created. the first, first time we've had any sort of space in a minute. It's a lovely ball from Bauer. Found Foskaski in space. First time anybody's had any space in that midfield. What went on a run immediately. So did Byrne. He picked out Watt, who... Uh, just let the ball ride to his right-hand side. Took a snapshot, which we know he loves to do. And the keeper uh, didn't take any chances, Ken. So had to turn it around with this corner. Force Kasky in swing delivery towards Patrick Bauer. Good header from Davis. Gets there first. Ball still looping around. Constant gets it under control. Force Kasky picks it back up inside the penalty area. Force Kasky. Present is Charlton. It's Ricky Holmes. <laughs> on his return to the start of the level for Charlton. Force Kasky picking the ball up from Concer. Driving inside. Fleetwood's half. Knocks it across the six-yard box and Ricky Holmes is there to tap home and Charlton are in the lead. I'll tell you what, two superb pieces of play there and you shouldn't underestimate the uh, the influence of uh, Esri Conzer in that. Ball got uh, knocked into the box from the corner, into the six-yard box. It went straight up in the air. Esri Conzer could have been tempted to either head it back in on a difficult looping, dropping ball, but in the end he just guided it in and he stopped the defender coming out to clear it to allow Chris Solit to... Uh, to, sorry, to force the casket, uh, Chris Solly to make that move down that right-hand side that allowed Forster Casket to be all on his own in the uh, edge of the six-yard box and he picked out Ricky Holmes who, uh, who couldn't miss that in a month of Sundays. It's away and it will be the end of the first half. Intercepted by Chickson, however, and a ball inside to Konza. It's gone straight to Cole. Bowers on the retreat and that's a great save from Rudd but still in the area, Bell. And so is Hunter, the sub, but great work from Cross to clear it away. Forstokaski with the free kick looking for Bauer at the far side of the penalty area. Gets ahead on it, it'll drop to one. Oh, he's slammed it over the bar. Oh, I think he's onside as well. I think it came off a, a Fleetwood head. That's what the lights were down here. I think chipped into the box. Bulger with the jump. Bauer is there as well. It'll drop the Forstokaski who slipped over. It'll drop Fleetwood's way. He takes oh, the shot. Ball. Ball and uh, just wide right of the Charlton goal. And probably a bit further away than it actually appeared. But uh, Charlton living on their edge, uh, uh, on the edge of their nerves here. But it's going to be the corner retaken into the penalty area, into the six-yard box. It goes. Rudd's trying to get there. It's cleared away by uh, Aribo. Conza's there as well. Lovely block by Teixeira. And then an equally one by Solly. He's come out of Brannigan. Takes the shot. Wide right and scuffed. Wide right of the Charlton goal. Chris Solly took one straight in the solar plexus. Or worse. And, uh, ten minutes of added time here. Ten minutes. I've never known it. Again, the corner comes in. Again, edge of the six-hole box. Bolger jumps. It's come off. Solly said, "Oh, it's buried by Bell, and it Fleet would have got the equaliser." Yeah, it's coming. Unfortunately, Murray Bell's been excellent for Fleetwood, and the ball just loops up. Bolger's won that header so many times. That first header, and he wins it on that occasion. The ball bounces down, and Bell just swipes a foot at it. Gives Fleetwood the equaliser in the 93rd minute. 
goal on Fleetwood as it's knocked into the box. It's going anywhere to Sherrill with a header. It's dropping around the edge of the penalty here and Fleetwood haven't got it clear. Jackson with a toe. Bell gets it clear eventually. Byrne will pick it up for Charlton, but he loses out. Oh, and he's just taken out. He's, yes. I think that's Hunter. It's a bad tackle. It's not like Ufo Rosler's going crazy over it. It's just a, it's a 50-50. Byrne Ber- uh, yeah, took a took a dodgy touch he didn't know he was coming but no, it, uh, it was, the impact was quite bad yeah it was it was a nasty one to watch but it wasn't uh, I don't know why Uwe Rosner's not appealing like it should be a red or anything because that's Uwe Rosner basically yeah. it's a blow for Charlton but I have to say they, they, they sort of invited the pressure a little bit is he giving him a red he has you know he's giving him a red I told you he'd send somebody off didn't I at half time this referee wants to send somebody off I don't believe that. That's just nonsense, isn't it? Cuts inside. Hunter. Ball forward. Finds ball on the edge of the penalty area. Jackson is there. Ball turns. Takes the shot. Right, they go off the right-hand post. And Charlton survive. And I'm not sure how. And there is the final whistle. So there it is, the, uh, the disappointment at the end of the... Uh, I nearly got caught out there, I was reading the programme. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the disappointment at the end of the game is that late, late equaliser from uh, Amari Bell. Uh, rescued the point for Fleetwood Town, who now con- continue their unbeaten run since mid-November, which is... Yeah, it would have been lovely to have, uh, to have stolen that. 18 but, games, isn't it, I think? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're unbeaten, and the only... Uh, sorry, 18 games, they've got uh, uh, something like 14 in the league, and the only defeat they've got is that FA Cup one in mm. 18, so it's, yeah. um, it's quite incredible. Yeah. And, and I suppose... <laughs> If you look at it in that context, a draw probably isn't that bad a result against a team that's in banging form. But you know, especially when you take the lead and and and, and you don't capitalise on it, I it, it felt like, feels like a defeat, doesn't it? When yeah, it I said after the game that we might be able to look back on it as a really good point, um, given the substitutions that we were forced to make. I thought the players battled pretty well, as you say. That running form that they'd had was obviously going to be tough to break down. I think, mm. given all that, we will hopefully try and look back on it as a good point, but after the game and given how Rosler acted and all of that it was tough to do that yesterday especially when it was so late that equaliser yeah Uh, as the game was progressing I thought we were you know struggling to to Mm. create any too many real chances in that first half in fact probably the goal was the first real chance we had we saw a shot that that was way off target from from Aribo from the edge of the box Tony Watts was on target but never looked like it was going to yeah the one the the one that forced the the, the corner yeah yeah. so but yeah in in terms of clear-cut chances we, we, we were struggling to break them down and and they you know, when when you're the home team, it's your prerogative to try and break them down. True, and but I mean, I, I don't know if um, I'm trying to re- recall what Juve Rosler's previous sides were like, um, and and whether or not he uh, he just puts um, ten ten men plus eleven, including the keeper, behind the ball when he's uh, mm. playing away from home, because it's always going to be a tough ask. And you saw that <laughs> the way we played against Bolton the week before, where we hit him on the counter attack. Uh, and I think we're we're set up for that. That's almost. our forte. Yeah, yeah. It looks that way. Uh, so when we have to break teams down, uh, it's going to take um, little moments of of, uh, of brilliance or, or something a little bit different. And as as it turned out in the goal, I thought Konza didn't get enough credit. The the, the way he leaves a simple touch, the way he levered yeah, the man out brilliant. of the way as well. I mean, he, he touched it into. I mean, I, I made mistake. I, I don't know why in commentary I said um, Chris Solly because he was nowhere near it, but. For, <laughs> I could, I could point out a couple of yeah, subtle yeah, differences yeah. between those two players. Yeah. <laughs> Forster Kesky, who took the corner, was uh, was there for the the return pass, and he, and he gave him the pass. But then it would, if he'd have just got out of the way, Conza, then Forster Kesky would have had a player in front of him and and a job to do. Yeah. Whereas mm. all he all, uh, Conza did superbly just to lever him out of the way, so as he couldn't yeah. get a run at Forster Kesky, just gave him a yeah, free run into the box mm. and. 
and the rest was the goal. So that's the one piece of, uh, of real. Uh, well, there was another one with home. As soon as Holmes went wide, we looked dangerous, but he didn't. He wasn't out there enough for me. Nowhere near. Mm. Start yeah. of the second half, slightly different actually, um, and then Chickson went off and it sort of ruined the whole shape. <laughs> Yeah, in terms of the first half, I'm uh, talking about last week and Tony Watt and how, how good he was at Bolton and how much of an outlet he was on the break. When he's at home, I mean, we, we know he's got that one moment of magic in him when he's going to run through players. But it just wasn't really coming off for him yesterday in terms of he's running at, he's running at banks of, of players that he was struggling to get through. And, and when, when you're then playing with a the one man up front and you're looking for those wide players, as you say, Ricky Holmes, not, out, not really out wide. You just reminded me, Tony Watt. I mean, there was a couple of moments. Uh, there was one in the second half where he turned his man. I think it was um, Bolger. Uh, might have been Eastham, I can't remember, but he turned him completely and was uh, was away, and then it, um, it might have been Eastham, dragged him down. Mm. Uh, that was the one moment that uh, that he's got in him. You know he's got it in him. But other than that, it always reminded me of, uh, it sort of reminded me of when he was at school and you had to do the obstacle race, <laughs> and uh, and they they just kept putting more obstacles in your way, and you end up run, like you're running through treacle, you just can't do it. And that's how, I mean, he was putting the shift in. You can't, you can't deny that he was oh, putting yeah, the effort in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just so unproductive because um, he, was, he was up there pretty much doing it on his own. A couple of times we saw Levante Cole getting in behind us, and Declan Rudd made a couple of good saves from angles there in that first half. Always dangerous, that. I mean, uh, Bauer and Conza, I think, are, are two good defenders, but they have this knack of allowing, Bauer especially allowing oh, people to go, yeah. get behind them. And uh, it's happened a few times, happened at Millwall, we saw it um, to our undoing, and it could have been, if Devante Cole was a better player, we could have been in trouble, but mm. fortunately he's not. Yeah, uh, and that, uh, we, 29 minutes, of course, uh, there's a lot of talk about it in the build-up, but we saw a, a really poignant moment where the fans uh, came together to remember the life of Liam Meadows, and we heard Greg Subley's uh, fine commentary on it there, and, and you know, for as you're going through the, the, the motions of a game of football, there was something that, that sort of takes you away from it, but it's very, very good, and I hope that, that sent the right message to the family, and uh, that the mum the mum had also asked that they, they sang Valley Floyd Road at the end of that, and, and the cover then did. did that yeah. as well, which was nice <coughs> to Yeah, it see. was, it was a nice touch, and... Uh, uh, sadly, you know, there's probably quite a few of us have been in positions similar to, uh, to to the Meadows family, and you wouldn't wish it on anybody. And uh, uh, it's we can't do much. I mean, words don't mean a lot, but we and there's not a lot we can do. But uh, as football supporters that, that can come together at a time like that and show their respect, I think um, it's nice and a very nice thing to do. And I was really, uh, I was really touched by it. So I hope the family were. Yeah, so it's uh, it's only five or six minutes later that we did we did score that goal, and obviously we talked about the, the good work by Jake Forster Cassie. That's his. Yeah, two games he's played for us now. That's his third assist. We saw a, a good start like that for Joe Rebo as well when he first came into to, into the starting lineup. Um, for Sikaski, um Carl pointed out in his press conference he felt he's one of the, be- the best players on the pitch there, and he's he's certainly looking like a real uh, a real excellent acquisition so far. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Um, yeah, he sort of marshaled that midfield. I mean, you know, people are well aware of my personal love of Olverstad, <laughs> but when Forster Kasky plays like that. Uh, and Aribo coming up as he is, it's going to be very difficult to break into that midfield. Um, yeah, I thought that goal, as uh, Terry said earlier, it, it took that moment of magic to really break them down. Up until then, it felt a bit like death by passing, and we were just going <laughs> side to side and working our way slowly forward, and then we got into that final third, and we just couldn't break them down. And eventually we did, and it was that one moment of class. And I said to somebody at half-time, or maybe tweeted out, that second half, we just couldn't let it drop. And we couldn't sit back on that lead because they were going to come forward and that might leave us space to do our counter-attacking game. And obviously that's not what we did as the game went on. But um, yeah, I thought he had an excellent game yesterday on the whole. I think, um, importantly, uh, and Aribo started it uh, and now Forster Kasky has come in and, and, uh, and developed it. I think the pair, Aribo first and now Forster Kasky, has allowed Cross to be a better player. Mm. 
I don't, know, I don't know if anybody else thinks that, but I just think Croft has become a better, the sort of midfield player we wanted him to be. Well, we know how, how many problems we have with him in the start of the season, where he was playing with a player too similar to him, yeah, either exactly in the form that. of Foley yeah. or in Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, he, he seems to have, had, the shackles seem to have come off, if you like, and he just seems a much better player now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in a more balanced midfield, I think. Yeah, I just hope that someone can uh, teach him how to speak in non-football <laughs> cliches at some point in the near future. We'll hear from him later in the show, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, at the start of the second half, I felt... The start of the second half, I felt we had probably started on the front foot again, mm-hmm. but without creating chances. We saw a couple of runs down the wing, I think, where we won a couple of corners that came to nothing. And then there was that break for the linesman that took forever to, to swap over. What the fourth official seems to be putting all, some sort of strapping all up his arms. That's I mean, it. look, if, if you were about to make a sub uh, as, as a football team, and uh, you call the, the fourth official over and say, right, we're going to make a sub now, and then you take ten minutes for him to get ready. You know he has to he has to completely strip off, get his kit from the uh, changing rooms, uh, put his boots on, find some shin pads, put some tape on, and they wouldn't be allowed to do it. They just go the the, the official just go right. You're not ready. Get out. Um, for a fourth official not to be geared up ready to to come in is is ridiculous. If it was it, a really? game of cricket, it would have been timed out, wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. So I mean, look, I don't think it would have made a great deal of difference. They scored in what the uh, third minute of added time. Yeah. There would have been five minutes anyway. You'd have thought so. Uh, that in itself isn't isn't an issue. It just well, I think you, what it does it just some flow of the game. Is there, is there a, yeah, that, is there a question yeah. about momentum? Like, it, well, yeah. it also just sums up the unprofessional attitude and 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 the the, the, the sort of poor level of officiating we seem to be putting up with is just that symptomatic for me of, of uh, the, the standard of standard of officials we keep getting yeah right so um, after that we saw a bit of a let off where and that's, yeah, I didn't actually see it exactly but by the sounds of it it sounds like Chickson gave the ball away and then I looked up and Cole was going through was it yeah, yeah there was a there was a um, a mistake at the back um, I think also Konza slipped as I yeah, remember he went to pass it to Konza yeah. didn't he and Konza and slipped. Konza slipped so uh, that sort of caused uh, the fact that Cole was through on, on goal uh, and he took a bit of a heavy touch just in front of um, of Declan oh. Rudd, who was coming out. And um, well, I've seen him given. <laughs> I thought uh, I didn't see. Yeah, it's very difficult in normal speed to know whether there was any contact or not, and I haven't seen it back, so I don't know. But um, with, as I said before, with the standard officials we keep getting, I, I fully expected that to be a penalty. <laughs> right, thirteen minutes from time. The, this was this was the the big chance to to see it out. And uh, I was listening when I was listening back to the commentary earlier when I was doing the highlights. I hear Greg Stubbley actually just before that free kick happened talking about what if he keeps if he keeps putting in a level of work rate even though he's getting tired the chance is going to fall to him as soon as the free kick came in. Now question marks over whether it was offside. By the sounds of it, the, the replay showed that it was offside. But I I was straight away looking at the linesman and he did not he flag for offside. Not he just gave a goal kick. So it would have counted yeah. if it had gone in. It was offside, but, but they didn't, they didn't, didn't flag it. it no. Yeah, uh, so it would have counted if it had gone in. So. Um, uh, Tony Watt has fallen for him. He snatched it and it's gone over the over the crossbar. And that one goes in and, it, and it's game over. And Uvery Ross has got. Do you think he thought it was on Soccer AM? <laughs> See, I haven't heard. I've heard about this. It sounds like he didn't perform very well on where the Soccer AM <laughs> task was. Well, then, no, there was a couple of really decent strikes, but uh, basically, <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's lucky. It was good. It's lucky they got that 30-foot net behind the goal. <laughs> <laughs> lucky the Jimmy Seed stands there, otherwise that might have done someone's window in Valiant House there. Uh, so now the last 10, 15 minutes, that's when we're starting to see. I mean, we're throwing bodies on the line to get blocks in at shots. Uh, the floodlights failed for a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> that was Half of them, I think. Yeah. Half of them did go. Yeah. yeah. So if that if that was a ploy, we should have we should have <laughs> done the other half. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we saw uh, David Ball now. Tommy, you were moaning about his hairstyle. 
But he's, he's, <laughs> he, since when he came on, he looked a good player for Fleetwood Town, and he had three or four excellent chances. He was brilliant for them. Yeah, it was just his hair that was annoying. Not only me, <laughs> a, a lot of people in the North Lower were annoyed about it. But I guess the fact that we kept noticing it shows how much he was on the ball. And uh, sorry, no, no pun intended. There. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was just. And with the the issues we had with the change in formation and Jacko, bless him, at left back, just he was just so exposed, and they were just going down that that right their right hand side time and time again, and ball was just always getting chances, and the minutes crept by and the minutes crept by, and as you said earlier, we were just begging and just thinking maybe we can hold on but mm. it just felt like that goal was going to come you mentioned Jacko at left back there we had a tweet in from Dan who said don't get why KR used Jacko left back when De Silva is on the bench not a great game yesterday <coughs> don't know how Fleetwood are fourth now, now, were I'm, you surprised by Jacko no, coming well, I'm, I'm not surprised that he didn't bring De Silva on at all actually because De Silva's what two foot four <laughs> um, and they're an aerial outfit and, and they've got some tall physical players I'm not and you know he's only a kid and with you know backs to the wall type football I'm not surprised that he didn't bring the silver on what I was surprised I just immediately thought well you know Tony Watts blowing out of his backside get him off bring on to Shera. Uh Novak coming on was obvious um, Janet Jackson coming on didn't surprise me putting him left back did mm. you know I, I thought well it's crying out for a, a, a quick you know they made a sub and who was it Ashley Hunter I think it was was causing Johnny Jackson all sorts of problems down that left hand side and didn't the corner come from an attack from the left hand yeah. side I think it did um, so and uh, it almost I mean I feel really sorry for, for the skipper because it, it was like yeah, he was hung out, in that was hung out to dry you know, because we? bless him he, you know he still put a shift in but pacey he's not um, so I thought Konza maybe even uh, swap Chris Solly to left back because he's done it before, done before. Um, and keep your back four fairly solid you know bring to share on by all means put Johnny Jackson in midfield just to try and um, break up their pattern of play that, uh, mm. so they can't create as much that I'd got, but the positional play that I mean, he, what he took um, uh, Novak came off, Foster Casca was injured, and and uh, Chickson was was ill, so yeah, yeah. they had to be made right. That's not a problem. I ain't got a problem with that, and that you know, so um, he had to make the changes. Even Ricky Holmes is his first what first start, so first full game for a while. So even that I sort of understand, but to put Tony Watt left side of midfield yeah. really was a strange one and play Jackson left back mm. made absolutely no sense to yeah. me well it's interesting here because Lewis Wheeler your arch nemesis says um, sorry Terry I disagree how many small full backs are there in the game and how many slow left backs are there uh, JDS has pace he has pace but he's what how old is he uh, and he's throwing him into a, and he, how many games has he played what one yeah. Uh, he's had one professional game and that was with us and he was thrown in at the deep end because yeah. uh, there is always the argument for ex- experience in, especially in a situation where that was the thing with the backs to the wall when, and when Jacko came on he's not uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong but he never really strikes me as a particularly vocal uh, captain on the pitch but he was screaming at the players and geeing them up and really pumped to try and get that win and that sort of experience you know the players needed something like that because as Terry says they were all knackered that they Fleetwood were on top by this stage comfortably, and it felt like that goal was coming. I think we needed that experience. It was just that he was out of position and so exposed. By the way, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that De Silva might not have done a good job. But I'm just saying I can understand why mm. he didn't do it. Yeah, because I, I'm, I do too. I'm, don't don't get me wrong. In a normal course of events, if it had happened after Chickson had gone off after 20 minutes, I'd have said stick De Silva on, no question about it. Mm. I just get the reason why he didn't at that time. What I don't get is putting Johnny Jackson there. Mm. Um, that's the bit that really was um, strange. I thought we got found out because of it, and I thought uh, that really cost us. Yeah. Um, well, sitting back, as soon as Chickson went off, we lost an edge 
that's how I felt it yeah. anyway. As soon as Chicks went off, we lost that sort of... Because before that, we, as you said it before, we were just starting to make some inroads down that left-hand side. Holmes was staying out wide more so than he did in the first half. I just felt we looked a better, a better side at the beginning of that second half, and I, I just felt we'd go on to win it comfortably. Mm. And then Chicks went off, and we just, we just sort of lost all our shape. Mm. Now, we've gone into, into 10 minutes of added time, and Carl certainly questioned that in the press conference yesterday, and we was trying to work out, probably the linesman probably took three or four minutes, and there was an injury down by the Jimmy Seed end, I think, that took a while, and Carl, <coughs> excuse me, Carl was really unhappy yeah, I didn't really that the referee waited for the substitute, which normally if someone's injured... Like you display on until yeah. the substitute's ready. He went, Carl, got, he went and got his captain's armband off him as well. <laughs> yeah. What's that about? Yeah, so Carl wasn't too happy with that. But still, I mean, did it add up to ten minutes? Is that questionable? Uh, I mean, probably. Some, but some, it, some people accepted it on Twitter, so probably. But I, it wasn't the re- the ten minutes added time yeah, I mean, was strange. But yeah, we, but they equalised after three exactly or three and a half. So. Of them, I don't so, think it would have yeah. made a great deal of difference. Yeah, and uh, I actually thought I was I was. Just as the corner, as they got awarded the corner, I was I was tweeting about how how good the covered end were at the moment because they were really jeering the, the lads up. But it comes in, and I haven't I haven't watched it back too much yet. But there was a couple of bobbles, and it's fallen nicely for him. And Carl said, you know, we'll add our men. It's just one of those playing the percentages thing. But when that whenever that ball hits the back of the net in the ninety fourth minute, it's always going to feel like a real kick in the teeth. It happened three or four times beforehand, and people were throwing bodies in the way. Yeah, and uh, and and there were a couple of shots that got scuffed and went wide. Um, that was the one time he just caught it perfect mm. uh, it just dropped to him right in the right place he swung a foot caught it cleanly and it went in the one area we didn't have a body it's just you know you can't odds that um, mm. and uh, I, I'm not at all faulting the, 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 the players for the commitment and the, the effort they put in we should have got a second if we'd have got a second the game would have been over um, so that's that's our fault we should have done better uh, but against the side that just uh, you know, using the uh, using the cliche part of the bus, um, it's tough, and we don't. I think if we'd have had somebody like Josh McGuinness who could have bullied their centre halves a bit mm, more, that would have been interesting. Then maybe, yeah, maybe would have. Uh, we might have got something different out of it. It's an impossible one to say because, as I say, I don't think Tony Watt had a bad game by any stretch, but uh, missing that chance, you know, when the chances come your way as a striker, you know, in a game like that, you know, and you don't score, it can cost you, and it did. Uh, there was still time for Nathan Byrne to be sent off for. Uh Stopping, stopping a Fleetwood player, and in, in the, yeah, they were looking to break. It was, it was midway through the Fleetwood half, so it's not a question of last man or anything like that. Uh, look, you know, looking back at it, there was plenty of people behind him. Um, it, I think he gave it for what he felt was was a high challenge. Now, again, dangerous play, must have been. Yeah, again, looking back at it, I did. Did you think it was a straight red? I mean, that, that's that one's up. It's always up for debate when there's a straight red card for a, for a high challenge or anything like that. Dangerous play. Did what was what was your thoughts on that when that when that happened, Tom? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it back, but at the time, I thought. It, it looked like a bit of a coming together, but a, a booking at best. Um, and as I said to you guys off air, I actually thought I couldn't see the card from where I was and just assumed that he had booked him. It was only when he then was Start walking down off, the yeah. tunnel, I was like, oh no, he's given a red. But yeah, as I say, I haven't seen it back, but at the time it didn't seem enough to give a red. But as Terry said in the commentary there, I got the feeling that the referee was keen to give some sort of card. and. Go, uh, uh, again, as Terry said, it's the standard of refereeing at the moment just seems to be so poor at this level, and it's it's not always necessarily against Charlton either. I'm not suggesting that. It's just the decisions that it's so incompetent. The decisions that get given either way. There were a couple of throw-ins and goal kicks yesterday that were given to the wrong team. There was the whole farce, as you say, with the fourth official and then that injured player um, that they had, and it's just 
that hasn't cost us the game. They they were on top and they got their equaliser deservedly so, I think. But it is just frustrating. Yeah. And it means we've got Burn missing for at least another game. Yeah. It just, I mean, his foot was raised. Both both their foot. I actually would, um, somebody who um, I spoke to who saw it from sort of an angle that you, you had a, he had a clean view down the line, said there was an actually no contact made. Uh, how true that is, I don't know. Because when I, from the view, I looked at it immediately. It looked to me like Byrne turned turned his back a little bit into the challenge, had his foot up looking for the ball, missed it completely, caught the player, not not like full on, sort of glancing blow, if you like, uh, and the player went down. Of course, he did. Um, I think reckless. No, I don't think so. Out of control, not real. I mean, it wasn't a lunge. It wasn't a two-footed lunge. Just poorly timed, clearly. He just stuck his foot up in the general direction and and missed completely. The pace that the two players were going at is obviously obviously a factor in that as well. Uh, Right, so there was just about time for for Fleetwood to hit the post with a curling effort from Ball, which would have been a right kick in the... uh, in the balls uh, had that had that had that gone in but um, there, there goes the final whistle now we'll, we'll talk about the incident after the, the final whistle later on so I want to hear the, the commentary from that as well but we've got plenty of tweets that have come in uh, John Charles White said again failure to score more than one goal at home cost us two points two goals per game average is required 12 more goals in drawn games we would be four points clear at the top with two games in hand Scunthorpe and Sheffield United are records of proof uh, I do not care if, if Carl Robertson is Roland Duchatelet's mouthpiece he's treading a very difficult path and results are what matters and so I, so it's uh, so far I believe he is genuine in his desire for success and you do not need to criticise uh, Pedro Rock says he's listening in bed in Qatar Doha calling uh, he'll probably be asleep before the end of the show but we'll, <laughs> yeah, but we'll we have that effect yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the only one yeah we've got plenty more <laughs> tweets that are coming but I think uh, let's listen to Carl Robinson because I want you guys to react to, to Carl Robinson's exclusive interview as well uh, Carl came in to speak to Terry after yesterday's game this is how he, uh, how he summed up yesterday's one all draw with Fleetwood Town Joined by Carl Robinson in the studio after what must have been a frustrating afternoon in the end, Carl. <laughs> in the end, yeah, it was. Um, I think it, the longer the game went on, it was. I felt if we if we had a, a time to really win it, there was a spell in the second half of about twenty minutes when we were excellent. Tony missed that chance in that period. We were on the front foot. The fans are in full voice. It was, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And then obviously the last fifteen minutes become a fight. The referee turned it into a fight. Really, he, he didn't do his job for a large part of the game. For me, he got one or two things wrong. Um, but we're sort of getting used to that, aren't we? Um, but then a percentage game that they won one of the percentages, and when you see how it ended up at his feet, I think it went through Crofty's legs before it got there. And I don't think I don't think any fan can go away here and see the players didn't give their all. It was a fight till the end, and we tried to give everything we possibly did. That's again the 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 level of noise in this place seems to be increasing game by game. Um, uh, and I can't ask no more from the fans. Obviously, uh, it was uh, it's it's disappointing, but they're a team that haven't been beaten in twelve or thirteen games. And an interesting staff has been talking there. I don't think I've played against anybody below us yet. We've, all my games have been against teams above us. I've, it's phenomenal when you think of these stats. And by the way, you look at Bolton have been away and Southend have been away. So most of the difficult games that we have. Uh, are going to be here at the Valley at the back end of the season and we've got to make sure that we're ready for the fight and uh, I, I'm a playing, we're starting to learn how to play with 10 men quite well as well <laughs> uh, If we go back to the first half we controlled large parts yeah. of it, in fact most of it um, yeah. after the first scrappy few minutes uh, and the goal came when it did it was always, um, it looked like you know, it had the, the, the reading of the game that the first goal was important if it was ours Yeah. 
Um, and their goals, if it was going to come, it was going to come from a set play. Or, or yeah, with the, the way they play anyway, they, they sit very deep, they put 11 men behind the ball, and, and it's all about the ball speed and how quickly we can move the football across the football pitch. And I think the only frustration sometimes you have as a fan is when it comes across the pitch slowly. Get it from one side to the other and then go and attack them. Sometimes it was that slow that we couldn't attack them down the left, so we come back across slowly and couldn't go down the right, so we almost went across the pitch too many times. Um, but I thought the players' mentality and appetite for the game was excellent. So Jake Forster Kasky showed everyone why he's coming to the football club. Um, a tremendous talent, a tremendous talent. Seamus Calf stiffened up at the end and he couldn't carry on. Carry on but it's uh, all the subs today were forced. None of them were tactical, and that was a difficult one. It's sort of been the case in the last few games. But it was um, I can't ask any more. Thought the 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 work ethic was sensational. They put the bodies on the line for the shirt. As a manager, and you know it's coming. Um as you said, the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, again, it, we looked reasonably comfortable. Mm. Uh, but you know they're going uh, yeah. to they're launch stuff at you. <laughs> and ideally, to, to cope with that is to put a lightning quick striker on a Steffi that we have. Um, but I'm making substitutions because I have to rather than because I want to. And that was hard. Mm-hmm. But, like I say, that's the difficult. We knew it was coming, and, we, and in some ways we defended it well. We just, that one of them was just dropped to one of their feet and... Was the uh, Adam Chickson um, substitution one of the key ones in, in terms of losing that defensive strength that we have at that back four? Uh, yeah, well, he, he was ill. He was ill. He couldn't carry on. So that was disappointing for him. But it, it is what it is. So it's an illness rather than an injury. It's an illness, yeah. So uh, at least from that side of things, it, it won't be. It's not a long. No, he felt it yesterday, and I just said, "Listen, see what you've got for me." And I could have put Jada Silver on, but the more and more the game went on, it was becoming an aerial battle. And Johnny Jackson playing goal for this football club would be meant to win in the game. So. I felt it was the right one to make, and hopefully the players, are, the players, I can't ask any more. I literally can't ask any more. But obviously, Vicky had to come off, Chicks had to come off. The whole left side was unbalanced then, uh, and then obviously towards the end, Jake had to come off, and we had to move the back four. So we had to, we made fifty percent changes to the back four that started. And that's always hard. But as I say, the, the it's a point to team and in the right rich vein of form, and hopefully we can now use that for the forthcoming games. Contrasting emotions last week with ten men, uh, and you know yeah. everybody comes off and uh, on a real high. Mm. And today we see the uh, not quite the other side, but it, you know the mood in the changing room is that okay after. The mood in the dressing room is excellent. They said that one of the players said we would have lost that a few months ago, yeah. and uh, hopefully we can keep that momentum moving forward. And that's important, of course. Still unbeaten in 2017, so we've got to look on the positive. Good year. Absolutely. Uh, well, it could have been better. On to next week. Hopefully stay on uh, with 11 men on the field. It's funny, did you get... The, um, we said this at half-time. This game had a sending-off in it. We we were all yeah. thinking it's a second a second yellow card rather than a straight red. Yeah. How did you see the straight red? We thought it was a bit unlucky. They didn't see the yeah, man coming. I thought it was unlucky when you see if maybe the other angle, maybe he did leave a foot in. Oh. And it was not because he meant to, but he turned his back. And when you turned your back, you naturally you like there's protection. And... Uh, but it, if it was 50-50, we were never going to get the rub of the game, are we? It certainly seemed that way from uh, <laughs> where we played. Carl, thanks for coming Cheers, pal, thank you. Take, Take care.
the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. So welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. It was Carl Robertson chatting to Terry. Now the, the two mascots just then. I thought we got to tell this story because they come in. It was it's brilliant. Yeah, they come in. They come in before. So the, the mascots are Andrew Norburn and Trent Follington. Uh, they came in. Su- Su- was that them in full cry you just played? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that wasn't nowhere near as loud as it could be because I didn't want to deafen the, the <laughs> listeners. But um, so the, the the two guys come in with with uh, with Sue. There's part of the tour. They come in and speak to to you or I, and we just show them how the studio works and whatnot. And then you get them to shout down the microphone. But then Sue was like, Sue. One of them said something about like made a joke about me. I was sort of half listening, and Sue said, "Oh, that, that's two people he's bantered off now." And I think I think it was Trent. I think it's Trent. Yeah. yeah. Who um and he said oh, apparently he's he's bantered off Tony Watt as well. <laughs> So, so we asked Trent to tell us the story, and the, the story was hilarious. So t- t- tell them what, what you said to, well, to Tony Watt. <laughs> basically, uh, they're um, they're in the place uh, in the dressing room, I think, and, uh, and um, I think it's either Tony Watt goes to uh, Trent, or Trent goes up to Tony Watt and says, um, "Oh, you know, uh, we're holding, we're going out together." Yeah, uh, we're going to hold hands. We're so. going to hold hands. So uh, I'm leading you out, and he turns around and says, "Yeah, I know you." I said, uh, "But it's only because Josh McGuinness isn't playing." <laughs> Hopefully Tony Watt found fun. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently he laughed. Yeah, stuff, uh, so. we should we should point out that uh, Josh is Trent's favourite player. Yeah, so, uh, so he did. Say, yeah, he had uh, put that in writing in, in before. So, but it was refreshingly honest. Brilliant, I thought. <laughs> I, had, I had to shake his hand. I thought it was quality. <laughs> yeah, that made us laugh. Right, Carl Robinson there. Uh, obviously frustrated. He talks about how the subs were forced. He talks about um, the referee. He does like to talk about referees, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and I think he's got to be a little bit careful because you don't really want that. I mean, I think it it might be the sort of siege mentality that he's had to have while uh, while being at MK Dons because uh, that must be like a 24-hour thing, mustn't it? Mm-hmm. At, um, uh, seven days a week being having siege mentality at MK Dons. Uh, and I think... I don't know. I mean... Uh, do you think the referees, knowing that they, he's going to have a pop, then see him in a different light and, and referee his teams differently? I don't know. I, but I, see, I've always wondered I don't want to Steve, take a risk. Whether Steve Evans would gain or lose from the way he deals with referees, the way he shouts. And obviously, Cole, well, I mean, Cole's a bit shouty on the touchline. I, I do tend to have a look. Um, I don't know. Would be fair to say he's, he's one of the more shouty at referees uh, managers than than some in the I league. think you should give them our time. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think if they make if they screw up, you got to tell them and you got to be in their ear. But you got to be also a little bit careful that it, it's not over the top and you don't get a reputation for uh, for always moaning at the rest because all then they do is is go out and prove a point. Mm. Right, tweets. Uh, Amy, the lovely Amy, said frustrating as I could tell. Uh, they were going to score at the end. Uh, Fleetwood's fans, they looked like they were having a great day. with. <laughs> they, did. they did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah with their, uh, their their fish and their uh, bananas and their reflections. Straight bananas as well, I noticed. Straight bananas so they obviously, they obviously they didn't vote Remain, did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Amy Amy did say that she's, she was cross with Uwe Rosler. We'll come on to Uwe in a few moments. Right. Good, good friend here from, from Lewis. He says, probably every email tweet about yesterday's game will be about the subs. Teixeira hardly even warmed up during the game and then was thrown on in a situation where we're already backs against the wall should have just left cons there the other sub was on uh, what on earth was Carl thinking about when he put Jackson left back he's hardly good enough to play central midfield anymore uh, why did he bring uh, why didn't he uh, why did he bring De Silva in if he's not going to use him finally bringing on Novak on his own up front who is slow and hold up play is awful the Arsenal kid would have been perfect quick agile and could have exploited the space that Fleetwood were leaving at the back Carl in my opinion uh, well and truly screwed up the, the game for us and then Lewis apologises for sending so many tweets but you're more than welcome to <laughs> Lewis uh, we, we like him 
when we get our views on that. I mean, obviously, we, we've talked about already um, uh, uh, Jackson going to left-back, but that's something I hadn't thought about, Novak going up top. See, I thought when Novak came on up at Bolton, we lost the pace that Tony was having in the running, but I thought the hold-up was OK. Now, um, yesterday, Lewis felt that the hold-up from, from Novak wasn't as good, and he thought, you know, if we've got Steffi Mavididi on the bench, why not bring him on and, and try and try him in that, in that situation? And I think um, from... Carl's interview, I think um, that in normal circumstances, possibly he would have done, uh, because uh, when they're um, launching 50-yard um, balls into your penalty area, then um, doing the opposite to them and trying to catch them catch them out with a speedy forward is is the answer. Um, I didn't think Lee um, Novak played particularly well when he came on, and, and, uh, and actually it's a credit to Tony Watt that he wasn't as good mm. as Tony Watt was in mm. the same position. Um, but I can understand that it's a sort of like for like, I suppose. That I, but I think in sort of Lee Novak's defence, um, I'd more I'd understand more Lee Novak coming on for Tony Watt rather than Tony Watt going to left sided midfield. If you've got to make a change, if you know if you have got to ch- change things around, then why bring Lee Novak on at all? Keep Tony Watt where he's where he's better rather than sticking him out left. Um, that didn't I didn't grasp. Um, I, again, I can sort of understand. You know, not chucking in a uh, Mavadidi who's, who's again probably hasn't had a, um, a senior game yet, has he? I don't know. No, he's not played yet. So played against uh, you know, in a game like that, I can sort of grasp it. Mm. Uh, I don't 100 percent agree with it, but I sort of grasp. I mean, it. If, if you're coming out, if you're coming out on loan to Charlton to gain some first team experience, well, you might as well gain it in True. The, at, at the deep end yeah. as well as, as, as well as the easy games. As I say, I'm not saying I wouldn't have seen, liked to have seen him. I would have done, but um, I, I, I sort of grasp reasons why not, even if I don't necessarily agree with them. The thing I don't. And I've said it before. I didn't agree with was uh, Johnny Jackson left back and mm. uh, and Tony Watt left midfield. Yeah, John Pitcher says the same. Johnny says JJ at left back. Sorry, no, just no. Gave Fleetwood the uh, the outlet that they needed. Though uh, Colin says uh, to be honest, we were pretty safe. No danger until the break for the linesman, and that seemed to affect us. Uh, Ricky says. Um, because I tweeted out sort of jokingly on a scale from naught to naught to ten, how much do you love uh, Uve Rosler? <laughs> and Ricky said, uh, and you "Don't mind us." Yeah, yeah, Ricky said, "Don't think peeps should uh, should worry about Rosler. Robinson's tactical genius is far too worrying." And I'm hinting a sense of sarcasm. Yeah, maybe just a little bit. In that one, Dan says you should never change your centre back pairing if you're doing well. Can't wait for McGuinness to come back. Hopefully on Saturday. What can't play up top every time? Holmes did get down the wing. No one was in there, and we have uh, no runners f- from the midfield. So that's interesting. That's he says no, no runners from the midfield because that's something that Olves can do. Mm. And um, there are, I mean, Aribo can do that. Olves, mm. would do it better. Than <laughs> I, think, uh, I think people, uh, you know, just need to. Um, uh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
No, I agree, by the way, <laughs> 100% with that. We weren't getting runners from midfield, but I think the nature of the team we were playing and the fact mm. that they packed out our half, yeah. or their half, their own half, so much that uh, any sort of movement was uh, was difficult, uh, any forward movement anyway, because mm. you immediately ran into a, a um, what was it, a, a turquoise shirt. Mm. Um, so I think in that respect, I'd sort of give them a bit of leeway. But um, I, I do agree with the point, by you, but I think uh, the nature of the game dictated wh- whether it was possible or not. Yeah. Uh, Dan says, OK, I'll get Jacko at left back. Uh, for his height, why not use the Arsenal kid if he wanted pace rather than a slow Novak? All the games are going to be a fight. When do we use these loans? Then what's the point of them uh, if we if we don't chuck them in? And that's uh, to be fair, that's yeah, what, no, that's, that's that's what I think I, I agree with Dan there. Mm. Uh, Matthias Johnson now points out discipline is a problem. That's actually he said two reds in in two games. I think it's three now because the because the Millwall game was the last game before Bolton, wasn't it? Because with the postponements, that's three reds in three games. Uh, there was a red card. Uh, uh, Bradford City as well is, is discipline a problem you can't you can't keep getting players sent off can you no true I'd, I'd, I'd like to think not um, I don't know whether uh, that tackle um, by uh, by Nathan Byrne could, you could put down to ill discipline particularly uh, Chickson he was saving trying to save our bacon so that's not ill discipline either particularly um, it's a worrying trend I'll give you that but I'm not entirely sure it's held down to ill discipline mm, I don't think it's something we're training out <laughs> and, and trying to get them to go out and be dirty necessarily. Yeah, but but it's, it's a thing that you have to train and, for and to yeah. be less dirty. And it is, as we say, it is a worry, particularly when we've got a small squad and mm. you know these low knees that have come in. You want to be able to use them off the bench for positive lights. You don't want to have to throw them in because we've got players banned. Maybe we should score more than one goal and we wouldn't necessarily be <laughs> panicking quite as much as we are <laughs> and we wouldn't help. have to dive in on tackles. Yeah, Matthias also says, please lay off the officials. And uh, now, now, <laughs> I think I think Matt, if I remember rightly, I think Matthias is a. Uh, a he official, is he's yeah. a card carrying card carrying um, yeah, uh, yeah. official. Yeah, I've got uh, many friends who are who are such. Uh, Lewis says I do agree with Terry on Crofts. I was not his biggest fan in a four four two, but recently he's been quality with two other pacey central midfielders. Now, uh, again, there was some controversy after the uh, after the game yesterday, and uh, whenever there's a sense of controversy, I like to go back to the commentary and see how how wound up Terry got with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so this yes, is how Terry yes, uh, Terry described uh, what happened at the end of the game uh, with our our. Uh, Everyone's best friend, Uwe oh, Rosler. Gold. Both managers will have questions to ask at this official. I don't think uh, either will say he's uh, covered himself in glory. And uh, you can hear the fans' reaction, the Charlton fans specifically. As, oh, <laughs> yeah, there we are. Uwe Rosler goes and pats him on the back and then does a, p- a clenched fist. And the man's got no class whatsoever, has he? <laughs> Absolutely no class whatsoever. I can't stand him. I really can't stand it. Uwe Rossler. It's just needless, isn't it? Can we get Bob Peters back? Just for half an hour. <laughs> Doesn't even need that, do you? Terry, once again, <laughs> famously... Yes, covering uh, myself in glory famously again. Famously likes to sit on the fence, does, uh, does Terry, when, <laughs> when he gets behind the commentary <laughs> microphone. Uh, also referencing the uh, the last time Rossler was at the Valley, when mm. uh, he was managing the Wigan side that, that uh, got defeated by two goals to one. That late, um, that late deflected strike by Frank Musa, which then I think it was Bob Peters' first home game, I mm. think, or possibly yeah. second, where he ended up running. I mean, he started running towards the Jimmy Seed stand. He was running a completely the wrong way, and then ended up going past Rosler's dugout. And that, that I just wonder if Rosler's reaction is it because he's a bit of a nasty person, or did he have that? bad memory of coming to Charlton at the back of his mind I don't know maybe he thought the the, the fans were booing him rather than the officials mm. which, but then uh, he went up to the officials and made a big yeah, point of being their best mates didn't he yeah. exactly yeah so um, as I said on there just no class is he mm. really uh, and, uh, and I'm right I dislike him intensely yeah. 
Uh, although, of course, football would be much more boring if, we, if there wasn't the odd. Uh, yeah, yeah, we all need uh, we all need a, a, a horrible a, a villain character. Yeah, yeah. and uh, 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 now there was um, something. I, ho- I hope it wasn't related to this really, because uh, th- there was a tweet sent by Fleetwood Town after the game suggesting that their the coach had been uh, attacked by one or two people. We you know we don't know we don't know where it was. Don't know how many people it was. We don't know to what extent it was. We don't know anything really apart from the fact that they say we don't even know if it's Charlton fans. If we're being honest, we don't know how it happened. It might have just been some local who just fancied lobbing something at something. We don't know, but you know, if it was a Charlton fan, disappointing, I guess, to seeing non. You know, if, if it was a direct reaction to being wound up by a late, a late equaliser, or yeah, true, uh, yeah. I mean, there's no justification there's, yeah, for, there's no, for launching something at a coach because it could injure something. Uh, yeah. Injure something. We don't even know that's what happened, by the way. We, we're just mm. guessing a bit because um, they just said it was, the coach was attacked. Um, quite how it was and by how many, I don't know. Although I think they've come out uh, subsequently and said it was a small minority. I don't know quite how many that is. That could be 4,000. That's going to be a minority of the Not if you're a Fleetwood fan. It's not a small minority of Fleetwood. It's about half a person, isn't it? So I don't know. There's no justification for it. So let's not even go there. You can't justify it just because you got wound up over some dodgy ball bloke. But the simple fact is, if he hadn't have... You know, there are causes and justification, you know, causes and effect. Uh, and if he hadn't been such a you know a dipstick at the end, then maybe it wouldn't have happened. So he's got to take his, a bit of a share of responsibility for the situation. However, there's still no justification for it. Uh, Seb Lewis says Rosler should be given a stadium ban for what he did. I think well, all stadiums. Yeah, I go yeah. on with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I say, I mean, I, I'm a, I, I've thought about these things before. I mean, I'm talking about the, uh, the the interview that Steve Morrison did with Richard Corley about how he how he likes to wind up players and how you know sometimes you see sometimes you see managers or players give a little bit back and if you're if you're a Fleetwood fan fan yesterday I mean I don't know how they feel if they felt any ill will towards the Chump fans to be honest I thought because we weren't aiming anything at Rosley yesterday it was a bit ridiculous that he did that but if you're a Fleetwood town and you just Stolen a point, and you've got a player waving or something at the fan. You, you, you kind of honest. enjoy it from I'd, the other well, side. I'd, don't I'd, you be a bit, I'd I think I'd be a bit miffed if I've travelled all yeah. the way from the other side of Blackpool, seventy-nine of you, or however. I think there was a bit more than that at the end. It was one hundred and forty yeah. something. Yeah. Eighty-nine tickets uh, sold uh, in advance, which I found cups. shocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, if you've come all that way, I'd rather him come to me and do the fist pump that and stuff. Yeah. Well. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Rather than go to an end where to, of, of set of fans who haven't really had a dig all game at him, why, why, why bother? It just made no sense and wind them up. Just that shows no class. That's what I said in the commentary. Yeah, that's probably true. If, if there was a case where they had been winding, yeah, up, I'm, I'm, I'm always giving one back. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. no question yeah. about it. Yeah, in fact, but I don't don't recall anybody having a dig at, at Rossler at any no, particular point. No. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe after <laughs> Rossler, uh, Rossler embarrassed himself. What a disgrace! Should have kept it professional until he got into the change rooms. An absolute uh, scumbag. Says uh, Dan <laughs> there. Uh, David Letchworth said it was one of the worst games of football I've seen in a while. It's like it was it was like us having Slade back in charge. It was it wasn't the prettiest game. We'll have to con- <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, all, we'll all have to concede that. I think. Yeah. Right. Um, Andrew Cross uh, came in to speak to to uh, me and you. I think after the game and a couple of the others uh, in the uh, in the press conference after yesterday. The man game. from the Sun was there, desperate to get in. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he <laughs> talks over you, didn't he? He's a nice, he's a nice guy. Though, no, he is. No, he is. Um, uh, so yeah, he. Uh, and now, if you want to play a game of count the cliches, fill your boots. <laughs> it's uh, Andrew Cross speaking to us after the after yesterday's Roy Fleetwood. In the end, a frustrating afternoon, Andrew. Yeah, obviously the boys are boys are disappointed in there because uh, so close to, to getting three points, but. Um, you know, that's football. Um, their goals obviously sp- 
this this really sort of spawned out. It's dropped to him, and you know we we invited a little bit of pressure at the end where maybe if we didn't done that, they obviously they one of them wouldn't have dropped to him. But we we invited a little bit. Um, but on the positive note, we we, we look at his six unbeaten. Um, and the next next batch of games are massive. We want to keep the run going, and uh, you know I think everyone can tell that we've turned the corner. Um, we're looking like a proper team, and and we know we still got more to to give and um, to to keep progressing. And I think we can do so. In it. As a side, you must have been pleased with the first half performance. It, it looked quite controlled, but in hindsight, could you have done with another goal? Yeah, I think that that's what it, I think that's what it needed to sort of seal it. Even at one nil, most of the second half, we still looked comfortable, um, but we just invited. Pressure, but not sort of real pressure where you you could see see a goal coming. The only way I think you could see a goal coming was something lucky uh, how it happened. That was I think how they was going to score something, just rebounding and dropping to them. I, I don't think they sort of looked like scoring apart from that. Um, maybe one or twice, like they got in um, and we we defended well. Boys were chucking their bodies everywhere, and we wanted to to win. And I think everyone could see that. I think everyone could tell we wanted to win the game, and we just disappointed. Like I said, the next goal I think would have, uh, if we could get the next one, it would have made it a lot more comfortable. But you know, weren't to be. But again, they're they're a good side. They're on a decent run of form, so they're they're in that position for a reason. They're a good team. Um, but I think yeah, we're, we're we're disappointed not to get through. Tall side, and it always looked like free kicks and, and set pieces at least were, were might trouble us. Is that something we had to work on in the week or? Uh... Yeah, I think obviously one of the, the one of the centre halves was a real big boy and he, he was a threat. And yeah, um, and I think that was their sort of from from set pieces they they looked to hit him. Um, and like I said he was a giant and he, and he attacked things well. And I think it was him who won the header to sort of rebound to the fella. Um, but that's like I said, we, we in in general we we still dealt with it really. It was only like a little bit of luck where it's bounced off and uh, fell to the lad perfectly, but. Again, like I said, that's, that's football. A few few of the times before that, we was getting the blocks in, we was chucking ourselves in, but you know it's, um, it weren't to be. Um, and I think we just needed to create a little bit more. If we created a little bit more, a few more chances, um, I think it could have been different. But it's it's not a bad point. You said earlier on you think we turned the corner. You've got a new midfield partner. I'm sorry, Jake Foster Kasky. Is that uh, that made a difference? Right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're. Uh, I know Jake really well. Obviously, I spent a good few years with him at Brighton. Uh, I know what he's about. He's a, he's a good lad. He got real good talent, and he, and he wants to do well. He's hungry. Um, I think everyone in the team is so hungry to, to achieve success. Um, and the gaffer has re- really inst- installed that in the boys. You, you can tell how ambitious he is, how much he wants to to get out of this league. And uh, and I think every one of the lads are like that. Uh, and that's what you need. You need everyone in the change room working working their socks off to, to all pull in the same direction. And we got that. And I think, like I said, six unbeaten, you don't get that for by not having that and, and starting to really build them. And you've got a run of games coming up now um, <clears throat> after next weekend, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, you can look at those sort of games as, as really the, the, what our season's going to be. Yeah, without that, it's a, it's a massive opportunity to put a lot of points on the, t- uh, on the board. Uh, and I think we're we're all looking at that. Like I said, it's six weeks of Saturday, Tuesday, so that's what I don't know. I, I'll let you do the maths, but there's a lot of points to, to play for, and we're we're hungry as to to make sure it's a it's a real big opportunity to to do so. And uh, happy that we fit yourselves with your own performances. You're gonna uh, you're gonna make them call on the experience over that period. Yeah, no, yeah, I feel feel as fit as a fiddle. Um, you know, I've played every game, uh, and I want to keep doing that. I feel. I feel great. Um, got young boys around me, which I like looking after, um, and it's, it's a young team. So, so to have uh, hopefully me keep keep playing without them out. Um, but fitness-wise, I feel great. Uh, I'm loving it here. 
Um, I love playing for Charlton and I want to give everything I can from now until the end of the season to, to see what we can achieve. Well, the manager was saying that you say you love playing for Charlton. The manager was saying in his program notes uh, that he's falling in love with the club. Uh, the crowd also seemed to be coming around a bit as well. They're, they're behind you today because I'm an intermittent visitor and this is the, the atmosphere today was obviously a lot more positive. Uh, up in the stand as well. Yeah, that, you can feel that definitely, and I think that's rubbing off on the fans because I think they can see a team out there that want to win. And I think I, I'm a big football fan. If I go to a game and I see players wanting to to give everything for the shirt and, and wanting to get three points and wanting to win, then you, then you get behind the boys, and they've been brilliant. Um, the away fans have been brilliant, and I think, like I said, if you see that, it rubs off on people. Um, and then when you hear that, it rubs off on you on the pitch as well. So. Uh, we want to create an atmosphere here that, that's bouncing, that's rocking. And the only way we can do that is by winning games and giving it everything we got. And I think they've seen that they've got a little bit lucky with a goal out it sort of dropped to them. But before that, they could see how much we wanted it. Like I said, we was chucking ourselves at everything. Um, but we, if we create a few more chances, we, we would have gone to win the game probably more comfortable. But like I said, they ain't no... no uh, Mickey Mouse team, they're a real good side. Um, they, they're on an un- unbelievable run, so we knew it was going to be tough, but we, we probably should have won, but you know that's football. But like you said, yeah, the fans getting behind us, right behind us, has been brilliant. Disappointed for Nathan, obviously, uh, he's going to miss three games there. Yeah, got it for Nathan, because he, he's, he's made an impact since he's come in. He's been really bright, really positive. Uh, you can tell he's a threat. He, he works his socks off as well, and he's got that mentality where, like I said, it rubs off on people because he's bright, he's busy. Um, I think he, he's made a genuine attempt to to get the ball. At the time, you, you know, you look back on it, um, if the video replays and all that, and it probably looks worse than what it was because, in, in real speed, I think the two boys have just gone in for it. He's, the fella's just nicked it away from him, and, he, and he's honestly tried to get the ball, and it, it, he's ended up obviously catching him. So. Yeah, he's bitterly disappointed because he was finding his feet and um, for him to miss, I think it would be three games, is um, is really disappointing. But with the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, that's going to go really quick. Uh, so before you know it, he'll be back available again and he's a big player for us. The fans have sort of been trying to work out points per game, ratios that we need to get to the, to the playoffs or the target point level, 74, 75, that sort of thing. Have you, got, have you guys set that, that particular target or a target like that? We, we obviously that's our goal. We want to do that, um, but I think we're just taking it game by game now. I think that's the best way to approach it. We've got 18 massive games, 18 cup finals, and if like see, if we can keep that unbeaten run, then then the points tally will hopefully be enough. Um, and we like we just got to concentrate on on winning every game that we're playing or not getting beat. But we, we approach it like today. We want to win every game we play, uh, and if we can do that, keep the momentum going. Let's see where it can take us.
From the home of time. time. This is Maritime Radio. Greenwich. Get out of the way, Stroud, you moron. Charlton Live. Right, Terry? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Right, that was Andrew Cross there speaking after yesterday's one-all draw with uh, Fleetwood Town. I've had plenty of emails have come into the inbox. I think it's fair to say, Terry, that we ought to to read them out. Yeah, indeed. And I'm going to actually mention one that was uh, just missed out last week because I think the show had already finished by the time we got it. But uh, Terry Worley posted uh, just after last week uh, that in the post-game interview after last week's game, uh, I've gained a great deal of respect for the new manager. Uh, Carl Robinson, he could have been over the top and blowing his own trumpet of how it was all down to him and his tactics. He came in front of you guys and was level-headed, uh, was straight with his appraisal of the game. Maybe you have a manager at last that the club can grow with again. That's from Terry Worley. Uh, and thought we'd play, um, read that one out because uh, it didn't get a chance to last week. On to this week's one, and Chris Davins the first. Uh, wasn't at the game yesterday, so we can't really comment on the match, and opinions are as... Ever are divided. Decent performance to average uh, to not all that. Uh, I can't deny that we have got better under Robinson, though to be fair, not hard to, to do that. Big Russ has taken over the very hot, in fact, boiling burn your bum hot seat at Coventry and made them even worse, a remarkable achievement. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, Mr. Robinson, he is like a caricature. He talks rubbish, says what he thinks fans want to hear, and by and large, it's music to their ears. I love this club. This club is massive, corny claptrap. Uh, let's face it, in the 12 or 13 games he's been at the helm, apart from Bristol Rovers and Bolton, we've been a very very average. We are a small club uh, with uh, very few fans bothering to attend games and in terminal decline. We will uh, be in this division for as long as RD owns the club. Everyone knows Arriba and Konza will be gone in the summer along with our five or six lone players and it's back to square one. Ever since Robinson has been here, Kaim has been silent. Obviously he's taken the uh, uh, mere PR role with good effect. He's great for the regime. He craves media attention, always has, and many CFC fans have been hoodwinked into believing this cheeky scouse chappy is doing a great job. He's average, which is what I'd expect CFC, our average League One team, no more, no less. Uh, the transfer window left us not much better off than before. It's despite the um, perhaps better by Robinson. Believe the nonsense he spouts if you want me. I prefer t- uh, facts and down-to-earth honesty, not cliches, Mike Bassett football manager style. I'm old school, been a fan for life, going back to the 70s. Uh, hate what I'm seeing happening nowadays. Very, very sad. That's from Chris Davin. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Cheers for that, Chris. Yeah, so interesting point. And we'll pick up at the end because uh, we talked about on Thursday's show, Tom, about the, uh, the the transfer window. And there was a, someone mm. had done a vote on Twitter. I think it was Brian Haynes had done a vote on Twitter and asking fans whether we'd improved the squad, the would have been weakened or if it stayed about the same and I think the majority of the votes stayed about the same and that's what yeah. we went for but I mean we had a tweet in from Charlton Exile earlier and on, uh, well, earlier on during the day or possibly yesterday saying he was surprised that he thought that, that, that people had felt the squad had stayed the same and obviously there's uh, if you look at the likes of Forster Cassie coming in that's a, that's, that's a positive for me but then in terms of the midfield of course we've lost Lookman we've lost Fox we've lost a Josie up top and we've got Mavid Didi coming in uh, we've got Lewis Page who's coming on a permanent. We've got Nathan Byrne. So for me, it probably does all sort of balance out. And I like the fact that we've got uh, Page and Forster Caskey on permanent deals because, as very uh, correctly pointed out in Chris's email there, you know, at the end of the season, we are going to lose loan players. They all yeah. go back. And that's a problem we've had uh, over this ownership. Is there's, there's been a lot of short-termism in terms of trying to keep a squad together. We seem to change our squad almost top to tail every every six months or so and that's mm. something I don't like so that's why I like the fact we've got a couple of permanents in I'm not I, I prefer it I mean loans can help of course but I prefer more permanents than loans so overall I mean tell we ain't asked you about this have we improved have we weakened the squad um, I suppose if you, you, you've probably got to look at it like for like you've got to say who's gone out who's coming alright so you look at um, at the beginning um, of who we've lost Adam Ola-Lookman let's take that as the first right so who have we replaced Adam Ola-Lookman um, I guess you've got to say a combination, really. I suppose you've got um, Steffi Mevadidi, who's come in, and the return of Tony Bott. 
attention. Yeah. All right. Those are the two that uh, now. Um, does that leave us better or worse? I think we'd all agree probably slightly worse because Anamola Lookman's a special player. Look how well he's doing. Look how well he's doing, well. exactly. <laughs> so, in that respect, slightly less. Uh, then you take Morgan Fox going out, right? So, who do we replace Morgan Fox with? Lewis Page. Now, um, it's almost impossible to know because he hasn't played more than 20 minutes, but, um, you know, I think that's fairly similar. Uh, like for like perhaps it could be that Lewis Page turns into a better player than Morgan Fox was mm. I don't know because we haven't seen enough of him I like the look of him what I have seen but it's uh, jury's out a little bit so almost like for like so we're still slightly negative if you're doing it in that respect uh, Kevin Foley's gone out uh, who have we brought in to replace Kevin Foley potentially I suppose um, Nathan Byrne on that uh, right side of midfield I think Nathan Byrne's a better player going forward especially uh, and, and that's a bit unfair on Kevin Foley because he's basically a right back but that's not pretty much not where he played so we're then back to square because that's a slightly positive in my opinion against um, against what went out so then uh, Nicky jose has gone now this is the area for me where I think um, we might uh, uh, we might struggle we've got Jake Forstokaski in now I think Forstokaski is a better player but he's a d- in a diff- completely different area so maybe yeah. maybe then you're looking at Tony Watt as coming back as, as, as that yeah. replacement I don't know so um, uh, that's a negative but then um, Forstokaski is a major positive for me so I think uh, I can understand why people are saying it probably slightly the same you know or, there's not a lot in it yeah um, like for like I think you've then got to look at where did we need strengthening badly and it was in the midfield and so we've got Forster Kasky and we've got Nathan Byrne uh, as a wide player so in that respect we've we've brought in players that we needed in that area so in that respect we're slightly stronger but like for like I'd put it round about even but um, that doesn't mean that we uh, the business was great because I still think we're two players short yeah well it's, yeah and, we, and obviously we talked Carl um Talked about his frustrations at the end of the window as well, which we you know he wanted at least. He said he wanted two more in that didn't come in. Uh, so which we, we discussed on first. So we found that we found that video, especially considering we then found someone found a video of him saying exactly the same exactly thing. the same thing. Yeah, uh, six months previous at MK Don's quite interesting. The other thing that um, that Chris mentioned, they talked about something about um, how he, he, he does a lot with the press. Now Carl um, spoke to Henry Winter on Wednesday from the Times, and, and there was an interesting piece there. Um, and then the, there was a follow-up phone call on Friday to talk about the meeting he had with the fans as well. Now, now Carl, I mean, since Carl's come here, I've, like, I've never known a manager be in so many newspaper articles and be on so many radio shows. He, he does like to speak to the press. Um, and if you look at the PR job that, that you need at this club, it's quite interesting. But if you take the way that Carl presents himself, I think, in a way, that almost adds a couple more points to the way that he's viewed. It's, say, with the amount of wins, how many how many have we won since he's been here? Three or four? Uh, 11, maybe? Yeah, I'd have to double-check yeah. that myself, actually. Mm-hmm. You got me guessing. Yeah, so, but, so uh, if Russell would add that sort of... Same record. I imagine he'd, he'd be getting a rawer deal mm. than Carl. I mean, there are, there has been differences in performances. There has been this transfer window where a couple of players, you know, if you're looking at players that have come in, there's some positive players that have come in, so that will help as well with the mood around the club. But I think the reason that a manager will put himself out like that, and he, and he does come, I mean, he comes across as genuine. He talks a lot. Yeah, I don't think um, fans aren't naive enough to, or a majority anyway, to believe everything he says and just take that as read and not witness what's going on on the pitch um, but I think his relationship with the fans is going to be helped by the way he talks as you say Russell and we, we spoke about it before Russell very quickly you know rubbed a few fans up the wrong way with certain things he was saying he came out he seemed to criticise the fans one game and 
you know, Carl, there's some people who are going to take things Carl says, it's, you know, a bit sickly, a bit, is he just playing up to the press? But the the truth is, as you say, I think his his results have been okay. The performances have been a bit, a bit better. Some of the signings are okay. I think, I think on the whole, personally, he's doing a better job than Slade did. Um, and I don't just put that down to the way he's talking to the press. You know, I buy into what he's doing here. Um, but I understand, I understand that point of view. I think. Look, looking, I mean, are we, we going to count MK Dons? Being as he was his, uh, was he officially in charge? Yeah, he was. Yeah, MK was. Yeah, uh, so, the so game, and the Sheffield United probably not. Sheffield United, he wasn't no. in charge. So, no. if you take Sheffield United, we've won undercard. We've won three. Uh, we've now drawn um, five and lost three. Same. So, a very similar record mm. to Russell, and I'd say by this time during the season, if so how many games is that that's 11 games 11 games now I, I think the major difference for me between uh, the, is the style under Russell I think some of the draws that we got were more like defeat you know we didn't look like we were ever going to win them yeah and that's fair mm-hmm. to whereas say. some of the draws we've got under Carl we probably should have won I'd take yesterday's, yesterday's for example. example so I think that's the slight difference for me uh, now <coughs> I get the whole cliche bit and I and I, like, I was never his biggest fan when he was at MK Don so I'm not going to turn around and say I love, the, love him to bits now yeah. uh, uh, he's grown on me he's, he's, he's a very personable type of guy um, and he's saying the right things of course he is but what do you expect do you know what I mean he's not going to come in and do anything else mm. uh, and I think again that goes back to what he was like at MK Don so it, it must have been a, a 24 hour 7 days a week constant battle to try and win a PR job uh, mm. because MK Dons, the way they were set up yeah. and the, the way people looked at MK Dons as shouldn't be here at all, that's the mentality he was going to have. So he's always going to have that. And, and he's going to have that, and like you say, similar to here. He's, he's experienced in doing yeah. a very similar yeah, job because, you know, even by our own fans, we, we're considered at times now, yeah, we're all, a lot of people are frustrated and we've seen mm. it with protests and we've seen it, and that's the sort of PR he, management he needs to do. He must know that um, no matter what he does, and almost no matter what the club and, and team does, that uh, what's gone on before, it's too late yeah, to you change you minds. You mentioned it in press conference yeah. yesterday. Oh, did yeah. Okay. I put uh, out, in fact, I put out a story in South London Press, and he talks about he talks about this meeting he had with fans, and it's worth listening because he talks about he says he, he was listening. He said he learned some things. I mean, he didn't really go into what he learned about the protests or anything like that. But he he, he then plainly said something along the lines of my job is I wouldn't be doing the, my job to the best of my ability if I wasn't trying to get some sort of mentality around everyone to pull in the same direction mm. and that's that's why that, that's why he's doing these sort of things now you, you could you know if you're, if you're that way inclined you can look at it and say look he's just another puppet for a regime that I don't that nobody likes and so it, it doesn't matter what he does um, he's not going to win you over and that's fine and I get that I really understand because of what we've been through over the last uh, few years um, but on the other hand, some people are going to say, well, look, you know, we know what's going on behind the scenes, uh, but we still need to win football matches. We still need to, 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 to compete as a football team. Mm. And as far as long as that goes, and as far as that goes, then um, he needs some support. Lewis says, arguably, you could say that Russell, for most games, has had a better bunch of options to choose from. Robinson also has had players missing in a handful of games, which doesn't help at all. Right, let's uh, get back onto the emails, Terry. Uh, yeah, we had uh, we got one from Andy Buckland. Thanks, Andy. Um, hi, all. Uh, yesterday's game highlighted where we really are this season. We have an over-reliance on a few key players. Without McGuinness, our front line is devoid of playoff scoring potential. What, for all his moments of ability, is rarely fit enough for Robinson's high-tempo game plan and not suited as a lone striker. Holmes only just coming back from injury and Novak just never seems with it. Despite what a lot have said, I thought Jacko did well at left-back. His experience got him through, but like Fox before him, 
had little cover in front. What on the wing? Uh, strange choice not to move concert left back and text into central defence. With the window closed, we probably won't have uh, quite what it takes to make up the deficit, much like yesterday we didn't quite have enough to hold on. Bolton and Fleetwood will almost be guarantees for the playoffs and Bradford not far behind, leaving realistically only two places to play for. Sadly, Rochdale, Southend and to a lesser extent Millwall. Uh, Peterborough and Bristol have more than us in the goal stakes and it's goals that will get you into the playoffs. Winning our two in hand over some will give us hope, but it's hard to see that happening right now. I don't see us moving above 8th, probably more likely a 10th place finish. A summer sale of Konza, McGuinness, Bauer, Jose and Tex, plus a few more released. Please go, Roger. Uh, <laughs> really, please God, finally, uh, Roger finally departs, I should say. Uh, Loneys of the uh, calibre of Rudd, etc. will return to their parent clubs, and off we go again, needing to rebuild almost an entire squad, but never quite rebuilding enough to push, on, uh, push to any sort of promotion challenge. In the unlikelihood that we reach the playoffs, would we, have, uh, would we even have use of the six Loneys? Probably the only question remaining is, will Robinson be the one rebuilding in the summer? Maybe. Uh, just maybe, uh, Roland will finally allow some time, uh, someone the time, but that's just dreaming the impossible dream. An unofficial crowd of under 10,000 could mean this year's home average drops into four figures. Target 20 go, go, uh, going well then. Uh, I feel like I've woken up and it's 1994 again, and that's Andy Buckland. Uh, yeah. That uh, 1994 uh, line uh, really rings home. Yeah, it just shows how far we've been... How far we've been sent back, and we're a league lower than we were in '94. Yeah, I'll yeah. start. Our first, our first came in 1994. And we're in the champs. Uh, interest, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Whether we'd have use of the loanies if we got into the playoffs, you'd assume so. I'd assume yes. Hopefully, we signed long enough loan deals. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, we probably didn't. Uh, you did. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not. <laughs> uh, it's it's a scenario that um, it's probably best not to think about. Hopefully, they are thinking about it somewhere along the line. But yeah, um, mm. yeah. got one from Mark the Taxi. Uh, yeah, just getting Patrick's now. Um, Martin Atkins uh, has, has uh, got this email in. Thanks, Martin. What's uh, apparent from yesterday that Robinson's gamble, and it is a gamble, of letting a Jose go? Out on loan will backfire on us. Tony Watt, despite his clear and obvious talent, has clearly sucked Robinson into his hyper... I wonder where that was going then. Has clearly sucked Robinson into his hyper... Because it's on a different line. Yeah, I'm just looking at that. That is some incredible line space <laughs> in there, Martin. <laughs> despite his clear and obvious talent, has clearly sucked Robinson into his hyper bowl and contributed to a Jose being sacrificed however in my opinion he will not score the goals to get us into the playoffs maybe a Jose wouldn't have either but I'd be more confident of him doing uh, so than what unless uh, Mavadidi turns out to be another Tammy Abraham mid-table mediocrity beckons Mm, yeah Tammy Abraham has been absolutely banging him in for Bristol I think he's tailed off a bit recently but on loan from Chelsea um, at one point this season he was on course to score a million goals incredible (laughs) Um, uh, what, what have you made of that? I guess the Jose versus what is going to be a question that's going to ask us. One, one's gone and one's come back. Do you have a preference over that? Because um, the Jose wasn't wasn't playing under Carl. And he wasn't. Really, I mean, he scored. A, he's, he's one of our top scorers, probably in the top three. But w- was he doing the business that we were hoping him to do after? Oh, I think clearly done not. Season, but yeah. whether that's his fault or whether it's because we didn't play the style to which uh, to which he wanted to be. Uh, you know, he he banged in the goals for Swindon uh, in a particular style, I guess. Uh, because it's where uh, um, he made his uh, he made his name. Because before that, you know, he, he scored goals, but not not in a way that you'd say he was prolific. So he had uh, that really good season for for Swindon and prompted us to to shell out for him. And he entered. You know, look, he, the goal he scored against Mill was a sign that uh, he can score goals, no question about it. You don't bang in that many. I can't remember how many it was, but it was in the twenties, wasn't the 20, it? Twenties, yeah, yeah. twenty-five. So you don't score that many goals uh, and not be any good. So he's clearly got talent. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, actually, he was a nice bloke as well, but. The point being, clearly not 
didn't fit into the style that Robinson wants to play. Mm. So and and you could argue that if he's not, if he if he doesn't fit in the style we want to play, then what's the point of having him? Mm. So that I, I sort of understand. But on the other end, if you've got somebody who can score twenty five goals, play in that style. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was my thinking. That's a good so, point. Actually, yeah. Why did we think of that? <laughs> well, we just change our style to fit around him. Fit around I mean, somebody who can bang twenty five goals. If Cristiano in, Ronaldo didn't fit into this style of play, I dare say we try and find we'd, a. We'd a probably, yeah, yeah, we'd probably adapt. Yeah, maybe that was the one that Carl was so angry about on transfer deadline day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see Mark Newbury's uh, email. Yeah, in. evening, chaps. Thanks, Mark. Uh, possibly a fair result over the long run, but we may actually be suffering from having too many options in midfield. No one has done enough to be dropped, and Forster Kaski has done enough to come in, but. Uh, we did look like there uh, were at least eight playing in midfield sometimes. What suffered from having little support and was dropping deeper to get the ball, giving them time to pack the defence. Positives being Arebo and Konza, especially the touch for the uh, for um, FC, Forstakowski for the goal. But when Chickson came off, we thought um, we thought the Silver would have been a better at left-back than the uh, skip. Younger legs are a better option than the old head. Um, red card was deserved, but uh, he hadn't been kicked all game without protection. So obviously he thought that was OK to tackle like that. Uh, so that's three red cards in a row. Can't remember that for a while. Would be nice to have Josh back, but only if we go with two up and not stick Watt back on the bench, because the feeling is that these two will terrorise teams. Cheers, Mark. There's two bits in there that, uh, that, are, that are key. I mean, obviously that De Silva transfer uh, uh, sorry to silver um, substitution or not as the case may be mm. is, is, is a hot point but also when um, McGuinness is fit is he going to play two up front probably not no because he like he likes his system that he pl- that plays mm. with one up front and then with the wingers with now the, wingers. the question is will Tony is Tony what available to go out on the wing then which is possible because he can run with the ball but I doubt he will because we well Nathan Burns missing now so that'll make it interesting but yeah a, a good news I guess at least that Carl did confirm that Josh is going to be back next week. So I think at least we've got options then. Yeah. It's frustrating because it goes to the same point as a Jose. When you've got Watt and McGuinness there, why not adapt and, and play them? Because I think we're all of the opinion that it, it's worth a go at least and <laughs> see what they can do. But um, yeah, it doesn't look like he'll do that. I've just uh, An email's just come in from Richard Church. Uh, Hi guys, I'm reliably informed that the attackers of the coach were members of the Killer's Beard Appreciation Society, <laughs> showing solidarity with the NTUV sentiment. Yeah, yeah, cheers, Richard. Thanks. Are, are they the same same ones who posted that letter to uh, to Keith Strauss? Clearly. <laughs> right, we're going to have a quick break here on Channel Live. Then we're going to come back and don't forget we want to talk about um, uh, after Fleetwood Town bought 140 fans for yesterday's game. What's the lowest away contingent you've ever been in? Uh, whilst following the addict. So we'll be back in, uh, in, a, in a few moments' time here on Charlton Live for the last 10 minutes of tonight's show. Into the box, it's a flick off from beginning. Yeah! Oh, shot of grab the equaliser. I think it could have been Bauer on the line, but McGuinness's initial header. And quite how we've done it, I've no idea. But Charlton are back on level terms. From the home of, time, home of time, this is Maritime Radio. Greenwich. Let's not make Charlton now into a team uh, who's going everywhere and must win and must be better than uh, the home side. Charlton Live. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Right, now, um, yesterday, 140 away fans from Fleetwood Town. Now, you're tr- trying to put that in some sort of context. I mean, you, when, you, when I got up into that West End yesterday and looked at the away stand, I was like, blimey, that is, so, that is such a small amount of fans. But then, <laughs> yeah, let's try and context- 
try and put it into context, Fleetwood Town, their, their rise has been remarkable over the last ten years or so. I think that they must have had something like six, seven promotions during that time. And now, in terms of size of club, Fleetwood Town must, up until recently, must be of a smaller size of club than, I'm just than Bromley and Wellington. can probably hear. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm just looking at the... There, here we go. I thought I did this. But when I, when we went to Fleetwood, I uh, I'd got a stat right. Their average attendance uh, for last season was three thousand three hundred. Right in two thousand and three four, their average attendance was one hundred and thirty four. <laughs> so, so you can see you can sort of understand it. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. even even in two thousand eight and nine, so even six years before, it was only nine hundred and twenty. Mm. So um, you know, it's a meteoric rise in mm. terms of uh, support. So the fact that there's um, only 200 away following mm. uh, uh, that far south, yeah. albeit on a Saturday. You can sort of, uh, you know, you get it, don't you? So I was saying, like, so if you look at Bromley, Dartford, Welly and Ebbsfleet, I mean, be- between them, they, their average attendance is probably between somewhere between 800 and, I mean, Dartford get, Dartford get a, a couple of thousand, yeah, I think. Yeah, a couple now, of thousand yeah. in the end. But even then, like, if, if, say a club, like, a club like Bromley, so 10 years ago, they were getting something like 200 through the gates, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And now they're up to a, a slightly bigger crowd. But if, if Bromley got into the League Two now, and they and they, they, t- they take hundred to an away game up north these days in in the, in the National League, but if they got into League Two now, wouldn't it, I wouldn't suddenly expect them to take five hundred? Mm. So I mean, Fleetwood's away attendance is is perfectly acceptable for a club of their size. And like like Amy tweeted in earlier, they were having a great time with their, their inflatable straight bananas and their <laughs> and their uh, sheep and their fish and, and and whatnot. But anyway, I thought. You know, looking at that way, away attendance yesterday, I thought it'd be fun to try and remember the lowest away attendance you've been in. Um, I'll try to, off the top of my head. I think I've been in a, a couple of hundred at Blackburn a couple of times. I've I've started doing like I do the midweek away games now, but I'm not in the away end, so I don't. Think, I can't really personally count those. But it's gone for this year. We probably took about two hundred and forty. I'm not. I'm not going to count friendlies because I've been to a few um, pre-season friendlies where um, there's been three men and a dog. But um, official league games. I mean, the the one, the, the two that immediately sprint to mind and it'd be early 80s because that's when I did most of my travelling uh, away was, would have been Walsall a midweek Walsall game um, on a Tuesday night there, there could have only been a couple of hundred there then and one particular game at Grimsby and I'm trying to struggle um, to remember it 100% but I, I seem to recall a coach or either one or two of the coaches couldn't make it um, or at least didn't make it until about ten minutes to the end, or something, because uh, because of some pile up on the motorway or something, so they didn't get there. So um, that and it, it was an awful trip because I think we um, I think we lost and we had some players sent off as well, if, if memory serves. But that um, uh, that probably groom, the Grimsby one would probably be the worst, but not deliberately so because I think uh, you know 150 or 200 people couldn't get there. Um, so that was why it was low at the time. But other than that. Um, yeah, the probably a full members cup away game. Yeah, uh, I know there was one fight. I didn't go to the Everton one, but uh, the, which was the semi final, I think, before the final. Uh, for the uh, so the semi final because someone someone mentioned that the, the I think there was loaded, but I wasn't there that, uh, for that game. But I remember it. Uh, I mean, to be fair, there was only like how many was at the home game? There was a full members cup game. At, well, there wasn't. A home, it was in Sellers Park, but there's about eight hundred. There was only yeah. Park, there was the, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was the one in the fog, but. Um, there was an away. There's one particular away one. I think it was Everton that uh, it was pretty low, but I wasn't at that one anyway. Yeah. Dave Lockwood said he uh, about fifty of us won like, at Huddersfield in the nineties, middle of winter, uh, and we won. Kevin Kraut said we went to Borough uh, Air St Park. <coughs> we lost one nil. Uwe Fuchs scored. Uh, that's a similar name to Uwe Rosser, actually. Yeah, Uve yeah. Fuchs. And, uh, I think and, that uh, might have been what a few uh, people called him as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, must have must have been around fifty Charlton there. 
Uh, Mike the Taxi said, Oldham away in uh, Tuesday night in 1990. Don't know how many, but not a lot. Uh, Greg Cheesman said, I went to a reserve match once at Welling in the in the rain where there was literally me, the groundsman, and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Middlesbrough Ayrson Park, 1994, midweek. Lenny Lawrence was managing them. Uh, can't have been more than 50 of us, and we lost 2-0. That's John C. Carey. Uh, Billy Hendricks said, I'll answer after Rochdale away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Which is fair. Uh, London Newt said, I remember 72 of us at Anfield on a Tuesday night in the 80s under Lenny Lawrence. Um Nathan Tubbs said 61 away to, uh, to Hartlepool United on a Tuesday night back in February a few seasons ago. That's a low one. Mm. Uh, I mean, there must be a great camaraderie when you go to an away game. There's hardly any hardly any away fans. Like that. You just, do get yeah. to know the same place. I mean, when I went sort of 88, I think it was um, 88, 182, there was that sort of period where I'd got a job so I could afford to travel. Um, yeah, you do see the same faces and they're, uh, you do get uh, to, uh, a decent, uh, decent camaraderie, definitely, mm. especially when they're smaller numbers. Yeah. Um, Rick uh, Sausage Dog on Twitter said I was halfway in the East End but the uh, the Fleetwood Towns fans uh, outsung us uh, plastic bananas and all maybe the East and West End could sing along instead of clapping uh, Ben Chamberlain said Oldham away in 2011 a boring 0-0 where Christian Daly got sent off must have been about 50 of us I remember seeing the attendance I mean, our season was over I think it was literally 100 and something giant mm-hmm. fans uh, and then Glenn said Grimsby away in the 90s there was 75 of us uh, as it had been reported the uh, the following day, so I wonder if that's I don't the know if that's near, no, I think, but my one might have been earlier. I, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm rubbish at dates, so it could have been that one. Yeah, yeah. Tim Jackson said he was part of the seventy or so of us who went to the Colchester in the uh, Checker Trade oh, this season. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, what's the last one, Tommy? Have you ever done the the, the most hardcore ones? Or? No, because the furthest trips I've been are for important games. Um, so I did Oldham away, I think, on the day where we could have got promoted. Yeah, but, that um, was... but so we took quite a few. Yeah. Um, Sheffield Wednesday away and a couple of years ago when we had nothing to play for was maybe I don't know 500 or something but even then it's not it's not been small mm. um, and then the rest of them have always been down in the south of England so we always get a fair few yeah Ricky Otto said uh, on the Charlton Live forum Cambridge away in the ZDS Cup can't have been cool. much more than 80 away fans what is the ZDS Cup it's Gail? the Zenith Data Systems isn't it it's a, it, it's a, one of the um, full members cup stroke uh, checker trade stroke Johnson's paint Incantations or yeah. incarnations, whatever they're called. Uh, so it's yeah, it's one of those. Mm. Uh, SE9 addict says away to Middlesbrough. I think it was on December the twenty second or twenty third in two thousand and six. I was living in Edinburgh at the time, so it wasn't too hard for me to get to. But I think there was about seventy or seventy to ninety Charlton fans, and that was a Premier League game. Remember that was the season we got relegated. I didn't go. I was uh, quite happily working at Sainsbury's <laughs> and uh, and happier doing that. Um, as Sebo mentioned the uh, the the. Uh, Checker trade game as well. Joining H2 says Burnley League Cup in 1996, second round, uh, second leg was 4 1 up from the first leg, and we were a division higher than them, so the tie was effectively dead. Uh, dead. Attendance was 64 away fans. Uh, loads of the players' comps were given out. I reckon me and Rock Spectacle and Colin Holland were the only ones who actually paid to get in. <laughs> <the> <laughs> in. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, Cota Johnson was already working in Italy when we when we got to the Anglo-Italian Cup tie away at Brescia in 1993. Oh, the total attendance was 1,174, uh, but I think Charlton arrived with two coachloads of fans, so maybe the same or maybe a few more in Cambridge away in the ZDS. Uh, slightly different, but as an aside, I think I was the only Charlton supporter uh, on the otherwise empty away terrace about 2.40pm at Main Road on the 11th of May 1995 when the ground was otherwise full with about 47,000 Man City <laughs> fans. Uh, ready to celebrate promotion. 
uh, was greeted when emerging by over 40 fans, uh, 40,000 Man City fans singing, is that all you take away? <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, I was losing close by, but apparently the official coaches and all the other travelling fans had been delayed by serious accidents on the motorways from London. Uh, more respectable uh, turnout when they turned up, effectively. So, yeah, low attendances. But fair play to those Fleetwood Town fans who came down yesterday, and I'm sure they, uh, they, they seem to enjoy that bloody mm. last-minute equaliser. <laughs> well, they seem to enjoy themselves with the whole game, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, yeah. they did, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so fair play to them. Right, we're sort of coming towards the end of the show now. We're going to look ahead to to Wimbledon game on on uh, next uh, Saturday. Saturday. Next Thursday is going to be the preview show. Um, obviously, the likes of Josh McGuinness are going to be back as well, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, it's quite a smaller way attendance there because only 800 tickets were, were, mm. were less than that, I think, were able to be sold. Uh, yeah, doing, it's not a huge crowd, yeah, is it? Yeah, they're doing the, the bean back here. I think we're all going to be sat on each other's laps in the press, in uh, the press box. I've done, yeah. uh, I've done a pre-season friendly at, uh, there, and yeah, it, uh, it's going to be snug. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting, so we can look forward to uh, looking ahead to that game. But anyway, thank you uh, to all of you who's listened to tonight's show for all your emails and, and your tweets and whatnot. Uh, for all your hate mail for Uwe Rosso. We didn't, didn't get as much as I was expecting, it. No, no, we didn't. Well, well, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're um, a, a considered broadcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've never been called that before. Uh, Terry, <laughs> thanks for, for coming in this cheers, evening. Cheers, guys, thank uh, you. Yeah, and you're hosting next Sunday, don't you? Uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, uh, cheers for that. Uh, Tom Wanning, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Louis. Me and you and Nathan will be back on Thursday. I'm not here Thursday. All oh, right, me and Nathan so will be back. Nathan <laughs> needs to turn up. Yeah, him. Nathan <laughs> needs to actually, <laughs> yeah, pass his late fitness test. Assuming man flu doesn't strike him down. Yeah, or his tiredness or where. He was fit enough to go to West End. Yeah, West Ham Palace yeah. Yeah. Spurs he's been yeah. at we want to know what you did at West Ham that made him ill <laughs> yeah. those two burgers he ate yeah, yeah it could have been it might have just been West Ham's defending right this has been Charlton <laughs> Live I've been Louis Meadows thank you very much for listening uh, me and Nath will hopefully be back on Thursday evening we'll see you soon catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 